This episode is sponsored by ByHeart. And I feel like I need to preface what I'm going to say with this. I'm a huge advocate of breastfeeding. Anyone who knows me well knows that nursing is something I believe in. And all five of our biological children were breastfed until they were 19 to 23 months old. However, we also have fostered and adopted, and I've been so grateful for formula companies in those situations. I'm also grateful for formula companies because our last two biological children, I really struggled with my supply and did all the things, spent so much time and effort, and just was never able to produce enough for them to be able to gain weight and not be hungry. And so I was so grateful for companies like Byheart. Byheart is an infant nutrition company built from the ground up to deliver real innovation on behalf of babies and parents. Their mission is simple, make the best formula in the world. Using the latest in breast milk science, Byheart created a clinically proven, easy to digest infant formula that's made with organic, grass-fed whole milk, certified clean ingredients, and features a patented protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. They're made with certified clean ingredients. It has no soy, corn syrup, GMOs, or palm oil. Curious about Byheart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com forward slash podcast with code crystal for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. So go to byheart.com forward slash podcast and use crystal to get your welcome offer. Welcome to the Crystal Pain Show, where we help you embrace your life right where you are and give you practical steps to get to where you want to go. Whether you are in your car, folding laundry, cooking, cleaning, or maybe even just enjoying a cup of coffee and a few minutes of quiet, we're so glad you're joining us today. Here's your host, wife, mother of four, foster mom, entrepreneur, and author, Crystal Payne. Welcome to another episode of The Crystal Pain Show. Last week, I told you that we were going to have a special guest in studio, and he is sitting across from me. Yes, it is a man. We do not have very many men come on the podcast, so this is, this is a big day. And I was trying to think back to when I was first introduced to this guest, and I think it was this website called Stuff Christians Like. Does that ring a bell yeah, to anyone? Yeah. That was that was the name. That was the it name was a the dot net too. Dot which net. We, that's when you knew you were successful when you had a dot net. <laughs> so does, has anyone figured out who it is? I asked on Instagram this morning on my Instagram if it's a guest, the guest, and I said it was someone local. So Stuff Christians Like. You've heard it's a man. It is none other than John Acuff. John, we're so happy to have you on the podcast. I'm thrilled to be here. It's just fun to connect again. Um, we, you know, we travel in a lot of the same circles, but life gets busy. And so it's fun to actually come over and get to see you and Jesse. Yes, I'm, I'm excited to have you here. And I know that most people have heard of who you are and all that, but I'm going to let you, instead of me reading a bio, just sure. tell us some of the highlights of your life in the last 45 years. Yeah, we joked about that before. <laughs> so here's the, here's the highlights. Um, I live in Franklin, where you live, just outside of Nashville. I've got two teenage daughters, a freshman in high school and a junior in high school. I've been married for 20 years this month um, to my wife, Jenny. 
And the quick story is I was a corporate marketing copywriter guy and started to mess around on the internet and started a blog. And that kind of turned into a book and turned into a public speaking career, moved us from Nash to, from Atlanta to Nashville. And so for the last eight years, I've had my own company where I, I help people um, work on their goals. I help companies work on their goals. And so my two things I do all year is I write books or I go talk about the books in a normal year. Mm -hmm. um, I, I haven't been able to do that as much with the pandemic, but those are kind of the two big things I do. And then I, I help people figure out um, life change. It's my, I think I have the best job in the world because I get to see, I get to be on the front row of people changing their life and I get mm -hmm. to watch that. And that's really fulfilling. Mm. And you have a brand new book that just came out two days ago. So it's, I know this is a big week for you and it's called Soundtracks, The Surprising Solution to Overthinking. And I would love for you to just kind of take us through, you, you told me before this, before we started recording that this book kind of was, what, how, how did you say it wasn't a book that you, it was given? I felt like it was a book that I received versus forced Yeah, from a content perspective. Mm -hmm. How many books have you written by the way? This is number seven. Okay. So is this the first book that you've kind of felt that that, or do you have other books? I that felt that about stuff Christians like, and I feel it about this one too. Okay. So this is a big, this is a big, a big yeah, deal. Yeah, it's been, and part of it too. Um, so maybe four years ago, my wife said, um, John, you're a jerk for the two years when you write a book and you're a jerk for the two years when you sell a book. And that ain't it. Like, mm -hmm. I'd rather you be a plumber and us not have this. Mm -hmm. then you be this way. So we've got to figure out something different. Mm -hmm. And so I needed a new soundtrack for creating this book. Mm -hmm. And so a soundtrack is my phrase for a repetitive thought. Um, some people say a thought is a leaf on a river or a cloud in the sky, a car on the highway. For me, it's a soundtrack. And it's often in the background of your life. It plays automatically and you don't understand what a big role it's having in shaping the moment. So I decided at the beginning of this project, my soundtrack for the book is going to be light and easy. I'm going mm -hmm. to write this in a light and easy way. I'm not going to, you know, use stress, use chaos, use crisis um, as a fuel. It's gonna, going to be light and easy. And so that's been my approach. And I think it changed the way the book was written. I think it's changed the way the book was marketed. And so I think that's a big part of it was that I, I really went in going, okay, how do I change the soundtrack for even creating a book? Um, and the fun thing for me was this book started in 2008, which was, I had hit a career ceiling. I was stuck at my job. I was in my early thirties. We, and it's, it's demoralizing to hit it that early. You want to hit it like when you're 52 and be like, Oh no, midlife crisis. And I started blogging and an event planner reached out from Oklahoma, Edmond, Oklahoma and said, will you come speak at our event? And I'd never done that. I had no evidence. I didn't know you got paid to speak. I didn't know how to do it. But I had this tiny new soundtrack that said, I think I can do this. Mm. I think I can. And so I turned that soundtrack into action and turned that action into results. And it changed our lives. It's how we moved to Nashville. It's how I hit the New York Times bestsellers list. So I had worked on how I think for years and years and years. And then I got curious, would this help other people? And so mm. that was the process for creating the book. I want, I have so many questions, but I want to first ask, so you said that you went into this project with this soundtrack of light and easy. I want to hear, how did you do that? Like, how was your approach? How did you make that? So, happen? well, well, first, I mean, it's, it's biblical. I'm, that's what I'm promised. Mm -hmm. Like Jesus says, my burden is light and easy. So mm -hmm. I had a, like, so from, you know, and you don't have to be a person of faith. I mean, it's a business book. So, mm -hmm. but from that point, I was like, okay, that's a promise. I'm going to accept that promise. Mm -hmm. I'm going to believe that promise. Um, so then um, the book, the heart of the book is you do three things. You retire broken soundtracks, 
you replace them with new ones and you repeat them so often they become as automatic as the old ones. And so really once I had a new one, okay, so my old soundtrack was I can only write if it's a crisis, if I'm deadline addicted, you know, like part of what happened for me with a broken soundtrack was I had a business situation that fell apart a few years ago and I learned that I could function well in a crisis. Like Mm -hmm. I got through it, but then over time that mutated into, I need a crisis to function. So what Jenny was reacting to is that in order to get motivated to do this project, I had to pretend the world was falling apart. I had Mm -hmm. like all this stress, all this anxiety. And so I recognized that broken one. I said, okay, I need to replace it with a new one. Lightning is going to be the one I replace it with. And then how do I reinforce that? How do I repeat that so that I actually believe it? And so it was a million things. It was, you know, I shared that with the publishing team. Hey, light and easy, light and easy. Like we talked about that this week. Um, I put it on a post-it note on in front of my computer that I saw, you know, a hundred times a day. And then I just found creative ways. So like one of them was I was at um, Fleet Feet, which is a running store in town. And I found the craziest, most ridiculous, bright green pair of Nikes that were created to break the two-hour marathon record. And they were called the 4% because they're supposed to make you 4% faster. And they've got a full carbon fiber plate. Like they, they look like what an elf would wear if that elf made Keebler cookies and was in Tron. Like they're futuristic and crazy looking. And they were the lightest, easiest thing I'd ever felt. So I bought those shoes. And every time I would write, I would wear those shoes. Like mm-hmm. I would do the Mr. Rogers thing where it's like, now I'm going changing situations, changing my outfit. So I would wear these shoes. So I just found a lot of creative ways to reinforce that. Because the problem is like one soundtrack I tell people about is don't give the problem a year and the solution a week. So most people like say money, let's use money as an example. They, they spend three years getting into debt and then they try to get out of debt for for 30 days and they go, it's not working. And you go, well, you gave the problem three years to develop and you gave yourself 30 days to fix it. Like, what if you extended the time you gave Mm -hmm. the solution? So it's the same with a soundtrack. They have this old broken soundtrack that maybe has gone unnoticed for five years and they try the new one for five days and they go, it's not working. I'm a much bigger believer in going, give it lots of time to work and give it lots of different creative ways that you can learn how to repeat it so that you actually believe it. So, you went into this project with that, you know, light and easy, which I love. I think that's so fantastic. But I'm sure there are people who list who are listening right now thinking, well, that's that's great. Like it, he had it all kind of figured out and he made a plan and he worked the plan. But they feel like my life isn't at all where I want it to be. But I don't even know how do I know what soundtracks I'm listening yeah, to? Yeah, I'll, I'll give you the easiest way you can identify a broken soundtrack. Like this is so easy. Everyone can do this. And I think that's a good thought to have. Like The problem is most of us have never thought about how we think. Most people don't even think they get to choose how they think. They think a thought is something they have, not something they hone. Mm. And it just shows up on its own power. Even my most type A high-performing friends who lay out their clothes the night before they go to the gym because they know it means they'll go, don't pick their thoughts out. They Mm. don't go, I've got a big negotiation on Thursday. And these are the three soundtracks I want to make sure are playing in that meeting. Um, You know, for me, I've, I've... been taken advantage of in business situations before that didn't go well. And it's easy to bring that broken soundtrack into a new situation and go, okay, where are they trying to get me? Where are they trying to? And now I've colored that entire interaction. My hands are clenched tightly. I don't even get to receive new opportunities because I'm listening to a broken soundtrack. So the first thing is figuring out, okay, well, how do I think? Like, what does that look like? So here's a really easy example of something you can do. Write down something you want to do. I want to start a podcast. I want to pay off my credit card. I want to lose five pounds. I want to write a book. I, you know, I want to go on a date with my husband, whatever the thing is, write it down and then listen to the first reaction. 
What's the first thought you have? Because every reaction is an education. Mm. So if you say, okay, I want to write a book. And the very first thing you hear is people like you don't get to write books Mm. or someone smarter has already written that book or who are you to write that book? That's a broken soundtrack. And once you can have identified one, we can start to go, okay, well, how do I know I can retire it? So in that situation, you ask three questions. There's three questions I teach people to ask um, in the book based on broken soundtracks. And they're super simple questions because that's the problem with overthinking. It's often written from this very heady, holistic, like there's no action. And I wanted to write a book that you could say, okay, I can do these actions because I don't, I, my goal with the book isn't that you get a new thought. My goal is that you get a new life. And the way you get that is you use these new thoughts to generate new actions that generate new results. So if you identified a broken soundtrack, the three questions you ask it are, number one, is it true? Is this thing I'm telling myself true? Number two, is it helpful? Does it push me forward or pull me back? And number three, is it kind? If I said it to someone else, would they still want to be my friend? Am I speaking kindly to myself? Because sometimes it will be true. Like, let's say you say, I meet people all the time to go, I want to start doing better with my money, but I don't understand the stock market. So I can't. That's technically true. You might not understand the stock market. That's true. But we have more than one question. We ask the second question, is it helpful? Telling yourself you don't understand the stock market. Does it move you forward or does it pull you back? Does it prevent you from even saving a little bit? Um, and is it kind? It's not kind to say that because essentially you're saying you, you'll you never understand the stock market. Until you do, you can't make these little changes. And you can make a million little changes without knowing every answer. We do that every day. So those are the three questions. And so once you have those questions, I think people are going to be shocked how many things they're listening to right now, how many soundtracks that aren't true, that aren't helpful, and definitely aren't kind. So we've identified then our broken soundtrack. And I love how you have made that so clear because that's the thing I talk to so many women who they don't even realize the lies. I call them lies. You know, the lies that they're believing that are just dictating how they're living and they're, they're the labels that they wear and they, they lead with. And, and so I love how you're helping people to figure out, okay, where are our broken soundtracks? So we've identified it. Then what do we do? Well, so... I would never send somebody to the like to a blank piece of paper and say, good luck, go figure mm-hmm. out your thinking. Um, I think that's really challenging. So if you wanted the easiest way to go, okay, I want some new soundtracks. I want to kind of tiptoe into this. The easiest way is to borrow some, borrow some soundtracks that you like. I'd love you to turn on your ears, turn on your heart and go, okay, I'm going to be actively looking for soundtracks that I respect, that I'm interested in. Here's an example of one. Patsy Claremont, who's a genius. She lives here. She's written, I think, 40 books now. She's in her early 70s, accomplished speaker. And I got to have lunch with her a few years ago. And I I was asking her questions about her life. And she said, you know, when I wrote my first book, my very first book, the editor sent back all the edits with red ink and it crushed me. It felt like the page was dying. So I said, next time we'll use a different color, please. She said the next time they sent back the edits and they were with green ink. And she said, instead of dying, it felt like the page was growing. Mm. And so I took that and said to myself, okay, there's a soundtrack there. And I think the soundtrack is what if the next time I got feedback, I saw it as an invitation to grow, not a criticism. And so what you do, the first thing you do is start to listen to the the voices that are in your life. Start, you know, a soundtrack can be a question. It can be a song lyric. It can be a statement from your kid. They're all around you. Once you understand the metaphor of it, you'll start to notice individuals have them. Couples have them. Families have soundtracks. Teams have soundtracks. Corporations do. All company culture is, is a group of agreed upon soundtracks that people are listening to at the same time. And so you'll start to see them. And then if you said, okay, So I'm seeing them. What do I do next? Well, another really easy thing you can do is to flip it. 
take the broken one and just flip it. What would be the opposite of that? What would be the opposite of believing that thing you're believing? So my example is I recognized a few years ago that I was the worst boss. Like I was the worst boss. And it was just stupid stuff where like I would set a 90 minute timer to write something. And then if I went to go get a drink downstairs or go use the bathroom, I would pause the timer as if I was stealing time from, I don't even know who, like, and if I had a boss that did that, if I worked for somebody in a corporation, they said, Oh, whoa, whoa, you're going to the bathroom. Those 90 seconds don't count. I'm got them right there. Like that would be a terrible boss. And so one day I realized I was doing that to myself and I was just not being very kind and it wasn't encouraging and it wasn't fun. And so all I did was say, what would the best boss do? Like in this moment, what would the best boss, because I've had good bosses. And so I had some examples. And so then I said, okay, I was, I could make an easy list. So if you said, okay, what would the best wife do? Like if I was the best mom, if I was, if I was the mom, I want to be like, what would the kind of things they do? Because the problem is like the way a broken soundtrack works is it's almost like Every time you listen to it, you put another handle on it. So it's even easier to pick up next time. And you've covered these lies that you said, like with a thousand handles. So you're five minutes late to the car rider pickup line and immediately a soundtrack plays. that says, you're the worst mom. And it erases everything you've done that day. Like you got your kids ready. You worked a job. You, you know, they had lunches, like you've moved and you scheduled like 17 carpools. And then you're five minutes late and it all is erased. And so you have to be really careful about that and go, okay, well, what would a, what would a, the best mom do? Like, well, what would a, you know, the mom I want to be do? And it, and you don't do that as a shame exercise. You do that as a, okay, those are the things that I want to do. These are soundtracks that are going to help me actually do them. So you bring that up and I think that's really great, but I know women are listening right now who are saying, well, if I were to ask the question, what would the best mom or the mom I want to be, what would she do? They would have a list that has a thousand things on it. So how do we take all of those things and kind of say, okay, these are the few soundtracks because we can't listen to all the soundtracks. Sure. No. And you're not, you're not even supposed to. I mean, I would never say, ask every thought you have the three questions. Like Mm -hmm. who has time for that? You have a million thoughts a day. I would say, ask the loudest thoughts that like ask the biggest boom boxes in your life, Mm -hmm. that question. Um, So an example of that would be somebody asked me the other day, a woman asked me and she said, Hey, how do I get over imposter syndrome. And I think that's a lot of things. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm not a good mom. Like, let's just use the mom example. How do I get over it? And I said, I think the broken soundtrack is the word over because over is a word of perfectionism. As if you climbed over a wall and now you're done with it. I think a better word is through. How do I go through imposter syndrome? Because I'm going to face it and I'm going to go through it. See, if you think you can get over it, you feel like a failure every time it shows back up. But I've written seven books, some of them New York Times bestsellers. There's plenty of days where I don't feel like a real writer, but I go through imposter syndrome. So sometimes it's saying, okay, the thing I'm struggling with is that I'm not a real mom, a great mom or whatever. Okay, well, how do I go through that? Like, what's a soundtrack that'll help me go through that? Not a thousand, not perfect ones. You don't have to create your version of just do it. It doesn't have to rhyme. It doesn't have to be illustrated like a bullet journal with like felt tip pins from Japan. Like it doesn't have to be fancy, but I think it does invite you to go, okay, what are a few words that would help me? What are a few sentences that might encourage me? Um, what's a friend that might encourage me? I think we're supposed to do this in community. I think that there's times where we need a friend to remind us of a true soundtrack. So I would never say, come up with a thousand things that it means to be a good mom. I would say like, what does it look like to have a handful? 
Like, what does it look like to have one? What does it, you know, what does it look like to start to believe this one thing? And it, it might take a lot of repetitions because you've heard the wrong thing a lot of times too. Mm. Like it might take some repetitions and that's okay. This week I've had so many people who've already read the book and they'll say, okay, like, so how do I really make it stick? And I'll go, I know the book came out two days ago. So I know you've at most, let's say you stayed up for the last 48 hours practice. And I know you haven't had time yet to practice. So let's walk through this together. Like, let's have a pace versus going, okay, I'm doing it instantly. One of the greatest chapters, in my opinion, in the book um, is this concept from this guy, David Thomas. David Thomas is a, a counselor here in Nashville at this organization called Daystar, and they're amazing. And we were having coffee one day, and he said, John, the problem is people want negative thinking, broken soundtracks, lies, whatever, to be a switch. They want to find a switch. And so they, they want to switch it once, and it's all over. So they try yoga for a month, and it works. And, it, and they're like, I did it. I, I switched everything off. And then what do you know, like a week later, a day later, some of that negativity comes back. Some of those lies come back. So they run to the next switch and they just continually go to switches. And he said, it's not a switch. It's a dial. Mm. It's a dial. And when life gets loud, when you go to seven, when you go to eight, when you go to nine, you go, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa wait a second. My dial's up. Let me do some things that are going to help me turn down this dial. And that's what soundtracks help you with. I mean, there's a chapter about, okay, what are the turn down techniques you're going to use when your dial gets loud? And just imagine the freedom for everyone listening, where instead of today, they go, I was a failure. Like I didn't do the things I was going to do. It didn't work. The switches didn't work. I'll try again to find some better switches tomorrow that'll perfectly turn it off forever versus going, yeah, the dial got to seven today, but I was able to go on a walk with somebody. It, it turned it down to four mm-hmm. or the dial got to nine today or like the pandemic took the dial to a thousand today and I was able to turn it down. When you do that, that's the definition of being kind to yourself. I mean, that's when you know I've got a soundtrack that's kind. And that's what's so fun to me about the book. Like I think people are just stumbling into this idea and going, wait a second, I can do it. Like, and there's not 400 steps. Like, you're busy enough. No one listening to this podcast right now is like, I just have too much free time. Like, I've just been taking, like, I'm just doing so many spa days that I wish somebody would give me some more stuff to do. So I'm not going to give you a long list. Like, the last thing an overthinker needs is an 800-pound book about overthinking. Like, that's, that's like throwing water to somebody drowning. Like, no, here's some simple things that anyone can do. So I want to go back to you writing this book. And I'm thinking... Probably in the writing of this book, you there were times when the old soundtracks tried to creep back in. So what do we do when it's not light and easy and all of a sudden you're feeling stressed? Yeah. So for me, um, that's where I would say, okay, have your turndown list. So like for me, one for, that's silly, it's kind of dorky, but I love to do Lego sets. Like most of my life doesn't have instructions, um, like be an author, be a speaker, mm. like there's plenty of days where I feel like I'm the only person who didn't get the adult manual, like, and everyone else has it. And so for me, like, if I find the dial at nine or 10, like doing a Lego set for 15 minutes and following instructions and building a car is kind of, you know, a peaceful slowdown moment for me. Um, Running is a slowdown moment for me. Um, Lists are a slowdown moment for me. So if I recognize, wait a second, the dial's gotten up. What do I, what do I do with that? I would then go, okay, what are some actions that I can throw with that? I think that a lot of people misinterpret things like start with why by Simon Sinek, which is an amazing book, but they sometimes misinterpret that and go, I got to find one thing. Like what's my one motivation, my one calling, my one thing. And I think I'd much rather have you have a motivation portfolio. 
So like on the days when the one thing doesn't work, that you've got more that you can work on. Because there's some days when I'm stressed, I can go, okay, I got to remember why I'm doing this. I got a contract. I want to fulfill it. I want to be a good business owner. Or, hey, I'm trying to pay for my kid's college. I want to do that. Like, And I want to have 20 things so that when mm-hmm. some days the, the first 10 aren't even going to move the needle. And I don't want to get out of bed and I feel frustrated. But then that's why I have number 11, number 12, number 13 for those, for those moments. But yeah, there were plenty of moments where I'd go, okay, the soundtrack got loud. But another one, like I have a list of soundtracks on my wall that I'm able to see and go, oh, that's right. So an example of that would be one of the soundtracks I use is ROI, not EGO. Like I want return on investment, not ego. That's how I want to make decisions. So for instance, this week, somebody canceled on me for the second time and they're like, we'll reschedule. And I felt my ego go like, I can't believe they did that. This is dumb. I don't even want to do this. Like I'm just going to cancel it. And then I remembered, wait a second. I want to make ROI decisions, not ego decisions. Right now, my ego is really getting loud. The ROI is I need, I want to do this business situation. Like I want to, so no, I'm not going to cancel out of frustration or be petty or passive aggressive. Like, no, I've got it right here in my wall. Like, no, that's, that's one of the sound checks. I do ROI, not EGO. And when I talk to that one about companies, they're like, oh my gosh, like here's something a leader did because it was ego driven versus data driven. Like, and we lost a hundred thousand dollars because of our ego. So for me, having those around, and then the, the other thing is that relationship. Like I've just really benefited from having real relationships. An example of that I've got a buddy named Ben and we go on walks probably once a week. Um, I think walks had a huge 2020, like everybody went on walks. They they were the only thing that grew in 2020. (laughs) And um, Ben and I, this is probably about six weeks ago, we're on a walk and he was like, what's going on? And I was like, man, I saw this opportunity. I was reminded of this opportunity that I missed. Like, and it made me feel sad that I'd missed it. And it made me feel anxious that it was the last one, like, cause it's the last opportunity. It made me feel jealous. Cause I know the person who got it. And it made me feel kind of scared. Cause like, what if I don't get another one? And Ben, Ben asked me a question. He said, okay, if you had taken that opportunity, what would you have more of that you don't have now? And I thought that was a great question. But then his next question was, if you had taken that opportunity, would you have gone deeper into your ego or deeper into your heart? And I didn't have to spend a second on that one. I knew like I would have gone deeper in my ego. And then he said, well, that makes me sad because I don't think you would have valued this time and these walks and I would have missed out on this friendship. Mm -hmm. So I don't get to receive that gift unless I share the initial thought. If Ben says, what's going on? I go, dude, just crushing it. Things are amazing. He doesn't get to give me the gift of going ego or heart. Mm -hmm. And that's a soundtrack. So I think there's such a value to having friends and not a thousand. Like whenever I talk about community, I think people feel this pressure of like, like I, I saw somebody say once, John Acuff thinks I have a lot of friends. I'm not saying you need 50 people. I don't have 50 people, but a handful of people that you can kind of link arms with and do this life with make this life so much better. So as we wrap up this interview, I was just thinking, what is the one thing, if you were going to say one thing you hope that people take away from your book, once they've read your book, what do you want them to take away? They get to create the story they tell themselves about themselves. The story you'll hear more than any other story your entire life. I don't care if you've read Harry Potter 15 times. I don't, you know, I don't care if you've seen a certain movie 10 times. The story you'll hear more than any other story in your life is the story you tell yourself about yourself. And so I hope that people realize they get to create that story. And then I hope they enjoy the tools that I've created for them to create that story. And that's, to me, that's what's been amazing. Um, that's what's been, you know, the, the changes we've already seen seen people do. We have a graphic where it's old soundtrack, new soundtrack. And we've already seen people say, okay, here's my old soundtrack. And it it could be like, 
I don't, I can't be a good dad because I didn't have a good dad. That's their old one. And then they go, no, I get to be a good dad and I can learn how to do that. And like what that'll do for those kids. Cause that dad knows he now has the permission to be a good dad, even though he didn't grow up with one. Like that's the stuff where you go, that's generational change. And it started with believing that, okay, I can identify these things that aren't true. I can work on them and I can create the story I want to create. I have the permission to do that and I have the tools. And and when you do that, like that's where it's so fun for me to watch happen. That is so fantastic. I'm just really, really excited about this book and excited for not only the change, like you said, that people are going to see personally, but and professionally, but then also that they're going to see generationally because that's how we change our family by just changing the way that we think, because what we think about dictates how we live. And it's so important. So thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for writing this book. Everyone go get a copy of Soundtracks, The Surprising Solution to Overthinking. As always, if you have any question on any topic you'd love for Jesse and I to answer on a future episode, or you just have feedback or suggestions, or you'd love for us to change something or do something different, we love to hear from you. We love your emails. And so you can send an email to crystal at moneysavingmom.com. Thank you so much for joining us on today's episode of the Crystal Pain Show. Have a great week. And remember, you can't always choose your circumstances, but you can always choose your attitude. Thank you for joining us today. For more great resources, please visit crystalpain.com. 